welcome back to the Only Networking Show, news, education and member spotlights from Only Networking. I'm James West. And I'm Kelly West and we are the co-founders of Only Networking, the business network for people who like people. Absolutely. Very busy show today. We're going to talk about the concept of prospecting versus networking. We've got a new networking gem from Kelly. We've got a very special guest with us today, Melanie Johnson. You are a, let me just check what I've written, social media and content coach. That's right, yes. Mel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You're welcome. We will interview you formally later. Prepare yourself. Um, but for now, <laughs> let's just have a chat. Let's talk about, so prospecting versus networking. This is something that's come up quite a lot recently. Um, this notion that I think people are confusing the two. Um, because very easy these days to prospect. So what I mean by prospecting and the confusion is that you can go on LinkedIn, you can connect with people very quickly, you can send messages, you're effectively cold calling. It's a little bit more precise than that because you can check people's profile and job titles, etc. Um, and of course, at volume, just like cold calling, you will get a level of success, probably, as long as your proposition is correct. Um, but that's not networking. Um, what damage are you doing to your reputation, first and foremost? It does seem to be a lot of young people. I think they're being taught this because they're reading articles or watching videos that, yeah, look, online you can just hit lots of people in one go. What's it doing for their long-term reputation? Yeah. And the questions, particularly for you, Mel, is that... LinkedIn ain't really going to want that to carry on, are they? This practice of people just connecting and then sending a big sales message. We've seen it before, haven't we? Social media platforms. Yeah. When there's a behaviour that becomes rife that damages the platform, they will eventually action it, shut it down, and sometimes even ban accounts. Yeah. What's your view on this? Well, the thing, we, we're already seeing a crackdown across all the platforms for that type of behaviour and any behaviour that's deemed to be, you know, seen as poor practice or prospecting, as you say. I think prospecting is very different from networking. I mean, the amount of emails that I get where they've scraped my details from LinkedIn, they know nothing about my business, mm. my requirements. Quite often, they don't even address me by name. Mm. Um, and those are not things that I'm going to respond to. But I think we've, we saw, particularly over the course of the lockdown, a lot of people having their Instagram and Facebook accounts shut down. Um, I think the issues with that was uh, one of them, I can give a really good example, was quite a big hotel in Oxfordshire where their account was shut overnight. Um, I have no idea why. And um, what that meant for them was firstly, they were using it as one of their main forms of marketing. Mm. Um, you don't own those contacts. They are owned by the network. So you instantly lose access to that, access to any messages or any content that you might have had. It also can create a bit of mistrust, I think, because unfortunately a lot of people trust Instagram and Facebook more than they trust brands. And they don't, consumers don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. So suddenly they think that person's, their account's been taken away. Yeah. Mm. So they must have done something have done wrong. Something so, wrong. Yeah. you know, as well as the kind of verification and security in place to stop that happening, you also need to make sure that you're doing other forms of marketing, including networking, not just prospecting. So that database is yours, mm. whether that's through email marketing, clients, or you know, people that you've kind of reached out to within your wider network. Um, when it comes to LinkedIn, I mean, they have very tight restrictions about what you can and can't do mm. within the platform. 
um, which is why we don't see the level of fake news or bullying on there in the same way as perhaps you would on Twitter, although they're crack cracking down on that. But there's ways, things that they look out for. So if you've got, if you're using an automated service, so you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of, of pages and accounts very, very quickly, they can pick that up. Mm -hmm. They can shut you down because they don't like third party automation for that. If you're sending out a really high volume of messages to people that aren't within your yeah. first degree connections or second degree connections, that can also be picked up. So, you know, there are very strict filters within place. Um, and of course, posting dodgy content yeah. is not going to help you um, and, in any way. And it, there's a gold rush right now, isn't there? LinkedIn's kind of the hot social yes. media, and particularly in terms of business, there's an opportunity. People are going to try and exploit that, aren't you? Aren't they? Um, what's your view? Prospecting versus networking. You're obviously a fan of networking. Oh, I yeah, would massively. Hope. <laughs> Imagine if I said no. That'd be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, this always reminds me of Jim Colverwell, and he did a blog, didn't he, ages ago, and about are you a hunter or a farmer networker? So similar kind of prospect, isn't it? What are you actually going out there to achieve? I get it, and I understand the mentality of the person that's doing it, and I do, uh, you know. I think it's quite close-minded, but I also respect the fact that that's the way they want to do it and they're going to do it regardless and they're yeah. not really going to listen. And I know they will get a level of um, engagement or interaction from it. My thing is, the world's changed so much and it's changing so quickly and it's ever-changing more to relationship, not transaction. Yeah. So I just think you stand out so negatively now and I just think if I would play that a year... I've certainly not had as many of those messages or conversations with people. And if I do, I mean, we're in a good place to be able to convert that. I would say 2% of our network has come off the back of a sales pitch off of LinkedIn. And I've gone back and said, no, I don't need what you do. I'm not really sure you've looked at my profile, but if you want to come and, and, and kind of intro to other business owners, come along to own yeah. me. So it's a great yeah. kind of conversion tool for me, but it's definitely slowed down. And I think I was talking to another member the other day about this. When you get so slammed by someone and then you kind of go back to them and say, oh, I'm not sure we should be connected because I don't really do sales this way. And then yeah. they come back and they argue with you. Yeah. Yes, That's my yeah. problem. It's like I've kind of given you the heads up that I'm not enjoying this conversation, but I'll stay connected with you. But I just want to say, oh, that's a little bit too much for me. And you're coming back to me going... Yeah, but I'm right, because this is the way I do it. And why did you connect with me if you didn't expect a sales pitch? Hmm. That's to me, is a little bit muggy. And that's a little bit, I'd like to see that end a bit more. But then that's probably very topical, because I think everybody's got an opinion at the moment. I, I think it is very topical, but it's also, again, that outside of prospecting and networking, it's how you manage people. I mean, I, my background is in sales and business and marketing and business development. And I was always taught the more consultative approach. So you find out, mm. you do your fact finding first. Yeah. In the same way you would at a networking meeting, you and then you build that relationship, and over time you might reach the point where you, you know, you can sell to them, yeah. or they already want to buy your services, or you know where the the key comes in is actually that person feels that they can refer you because you can trust you, they can trust you, yeah. and I think one of the reasons that I see people making a mistake is that they're they're doing a lot on social media, and we'll probably talk more about this later, but they're not mm. actually doing anything else to back that up. Mm. And if you are selling a higher ticket item, you know, be it something that isn't 40 or 50 pounds a month, but actually people have got to invest time, money. Coaching is a really good example. 
you know, people are not going to buy that off one or two social media posts or you fishing out for emails because they need to get to know yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And you bludgeoning them with messages is probably not that healthy, is it? It's really this. And again, there is absolutely a place for prospecting. There's yes. loads of tools, you know, cold calling through phone absolutely will work but don't confuse the two don't think yeah. that prospecting is networking because what you're doing reputationally is you're probably burning a lot of bridges yeah. and um, we've talked about this before haven't we networking never cut a branch of your network unless it's toxic yeah because you don't know jim culverwell again is a great example of this so uh, Jim Culverwell, the blog you're talking about, is the hunter or farmer. Mm. Are you at networking to hunt for leads or are you farming relationships for longevity? Jim is a great example. He's a commercial property advisor, so he'll help people um, move into commercial premises, advise on that. He'll tell you, I'll sometimes meet someone and 10 years later, yeah. that suddenly they're looking to get a property or they know someone that's got a property, I think of t Jim Culverwell. And that's why you should never assume someone can help you or not. Mm. And that's why you should never cut branches. That's the difference, isn't it? That might lead into the networking gem later, I, think, I feel. Don't but jump the gun. No, I won't We've got other stuff yeah. to talk I think about. The two, I think the two just, you have to look at it as the, the two join together, mm. essentially. Mm. So, so it's kind of how do you do both? Because that's ideally what you need to be doing. Yeah, for your business, and probably worth saying that nothing's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just perspective, and yeah. you know the way you do it. But find the channel or the medium that supports yeah. your way of doing it. Because if you're going out there prospecting and you go into a relationship-based network such as Only, mm -hmm. you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. You're going to get people complain about you. Whereas yeah. if you go to a 60-minute speed networking event where you are literally just one after the other, you're going to kind of meet other people that are doing a similar thing to you. Yes. So it might work more favourably for you in those scenarios. So just be a bit mindful of where you're going yeah. and doing those things. I do think as well, prospectors don't like to be sold to. True. And that's part of the problem, isn't it? You know, it, it, if you try to turn it on some of those people and they'll go, well, I'm not here to buy from you. I'm here to sell at you. Yes. Imagine if everyone was doing that, there would be no concept of networking. It's just a cold, let's just throw stuff at each other and no one's looking to buy. Yeah. Um, there's a networking lesson in there as well. Yeah, and I do think um, recession, you know, whether we're in recession or not, I think we're in for some tough times. It leads to desperation. Yeah. And I think that's when people start getting silly and trying every tactic. You've got to go back to basics, haven't you, with your networking? Yeah, goodwill again, isn't it? It's forging relationships, friendships, partnerships, you know, can you work together to move both your businesses yeah. forward, that kind of thing, you know. It's not all doom and gloom, is it? Because there are plenty of businesses out there that business. will do well in that time. Yeah. But yeah, it's just being mindful of the environment. I think um, my final point on this is that when times are hard, people will spend money, but they just want to be comfortable that they're spending money and it's going to get value. Yeah, I think that was um, one of the things I think as well is, is sort of you think about is that people don't quite often don't buy on price. Yeah. It, mm. It's that emotional connect connection yeah. and that, is where your networking is invaluable, particularly at the time, because as well as getting collaboration and support, you know, people get to know you and they make that and they can make that emotional connection with you quite quickly in terms of whether you're or not necessarily quite quickly, but whether you're you might be the right person for them. I think, you know, that's particularly I mean, 
that comes down to whether you're selling cars or whether you're selling professional services, but it's particularly important for within professional services and within small businesses as well, because you know you you need to put your trust in that person. It's such a good point, isn't it? How many times have we? Because you know, let's face it, any business service that you may want to buy at some point in time, there are almost limitless supplies available to you, and you probably know hundreds of each of those categories anyway. If you you went into any depth of your network. How many times have we said, oh, we'll work with them because we like them? Yeah. And, you know, whether it's just because I personally like them, there's something about them that resonates. I bet a lot of the time, most of the time, it's because they've shown interest. They've tried to support us. Whereas the people that just sell at you, you, you don't feel warm about them. You don't think, oh, no, I respect it, but don't expect me to come back to you when you're not really interested other than trying to hit me for a sale. I think also to bear that and play that, back a little bit so that's kind of happened this week isn't it so I've taken on somebody to to coach me personally I've never wanted a personal coach I don't know why I want one I've just met this person really like them and want to see where that journey goes had the first session and went I don't know why I'm here I'm just going to go for it and see where it goes because I really genuinely feel like that person was brought to me at the right time without being really woo woo yeah <laughs> where's this thing. going um who are you this is a whole this is a, a whole, whole new thing, whole new thing. We i didn't talking know about this, this existed outside. yeah yeah exactly it's the crystal it's the crystals definitely yeah but i think it's not just about spending money with someone so in that instant yes i've gone the extra mile and i've spent the money and i've committed to a time period of working with this person and i'm really looking forward to it but other people in your network that you don't necessarily need the services of just yet that you really get on with, you might have a one-to-one once a month with. You yeah. might go and meet for a coffee. And it's the same thing, isn't it? You just want that person in your sphere because you know that they're good for you some yeah. way. They might be a good connection for your your customers or your colleagues, etc. But you just need to hold them a little bit tighter than just meeting them once a month on a call. Recession tips. I'm going to start. I'm going to ask you two. So let's just assume there's a recession. Tabloid journalist in me. It's already happening. Um, <laughs> I think particularly through networking, it's a time to be uh, not panic. Just get your messaging very clear, very concise. Who do you help? How are you going to help them? Give them a price guide. Mm. You know, is it going to cost me 10 quid or is it going to cost me 10 grand? If you don't tell me, don't expect me to find that out. And don't panic. Do your follow-ups. I mean, we see this all the time at networking that um, people say, oh, I'd like to have a one-to-one -one with you. But then the recipient of that request is waiting. Or they'll say, oh, I want a one-to-one. -one, and they're waiting for the person that they've said they want a one-to-one -one with to do it. Put the effort in. Yeah. Do your follow-ups. It, it's really easy to want everything to fall in your lap. But you have to work a little bit harder. You know, I know I emailed you last week, but just wanted to check. Did you get the quote? Because often it's not because they don't want it, it's because they're busy. Yeah. Because yeah. we all are busy. So I just think keep your nerve, get your proposition right, and to go back to the basics. So, yeah. You guys got any recession? I'm trying to echo what you say. And I think also um, it's that panic factor, isn't it? It's the take a breath. We've had a few conversations we were talking about there earlier. Getting people to commit, it, it does feel like that the time frame for that is, is kind of expanded a little bit. That will be partly summer, partly what's going on. But I think it's just being mindful of your process. You know, when you give a quote to someone, do you follow up with it? Do you tell them when you're going to follow up with it? So you've actually yeah. got a date that you can go back to them and contact them because a lot of us go, oh, I've left it a couple of days, should I? Whereas if you dropped 
the proposal on an email or however you do it and picked up the phone and either talked to them or left a message and said, look, is seven days enough? I'll contact you on the yeah. 15th yeah. of September. Is that good for you? You've They've given you permission to follow up. Yeah. And it takes a lot of that pressure away, doesn't it? So I think it's just a, hard as it may be sometimes, deep breath yeah. and make sure you've got all of your flow and, and system. Yeah. I think one of the things that's important here as well, and this is outside of recession is that people need at least 7.7 points of contact mm. with you before they buy yeah. it's probably more than that now they don't know the definitive number because we have so many different touch points yeah. so i think the key here is to really be it's probably going to be more of that at the moment yeah so just because somebody's not in that position and also i think sometimes we have this thing where somebody says no and we think we sometimes think oh it's too expensive or they're never going to buy and actually quite often what they mean is not right now yeah, yeah. so you know i think yeah. i think do keep following up and i think also for a lot of us i know we've all got bills to pay mm. but you know i think seeing that sometimes seeing those quieter times can be a bit of an opportunity so what are the things that you could could actually work on that perhaps you've been putting on the back burner or have really fallen down your list because mm. i know from personal experience and we've all got them so, Especially after the summer yeah. holidays. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I think the key there is just communication, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. know, and Talk. asking the questions. If you don't ask, yes. Um, we talked about this again a couple of weeks ago, but ask the, the prospect, what can I do to help you make this decision? Mm. You know, and, and let them answer and, and get that next stage over the line. Because quite often it might be something minor. And if, you, if you're in a good network and you've got a great network around you, that could be in a referral opportunity if there's an outside yeah. factor that actually needs solving before I can go along with this thing. So that in itself is a good networking opportunity. Very good. Well, we've solved that. That's all you need to know for that part. <laughs> Let's move on to Rob's fancy animation. Perhaps we'll do something different. What would you like? Like spotlights? Hearts. Oh, hearts. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Just First thing planets. She wants planets. planets. Oh, don't do planets. <laughs> Kelly don't like space stuff. No, I don't like space. Um, but anyway, over to you for your I, networking chat. Yeah. Go on. I need, need to know what you're going to say. I was now. just going to say, you know, my husband's obsessed with like, you know, and one of my friends is like, I definitely pay all that money to go into space. No, 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 I wouldn't either. We'll stay at home. <laughs> we'll go to go and sit on a nice, nice beach somewhere. <laughs> that'd be fine. That'd be fine. Roll space rocket animation networking gem. Go, Kelly. Brilliant. Yeah. So this is actually quite timely into what we were saying. So this morning I was very lucky to attend the networking meeting before I came along here. So not one of ours, BFN. It was a Bristol-based networking group online, and I have to say I thought it was amazing. But what really stood out to me was that for the first time in a long time I got to see it from the outsider's perspective not as the host right. so i furiously wrote down lots of different things because there was lots of things here to be able to give you guys as, as tips for moving forward but kind of tying in this hunter gatherer prospecting versus networking thing um 23 people on the call i wrote down who everybody was and what they did as they were speaking three people uh sorry six people said hi kelly lovely to have you here openly in the chat and i replied to say thank you to them openly to everyone as well Three people messaged me privately to say, it's really good to have you, I'd like to find out more. So I've gone from a list of 23 people to a list of five people that openly welcomed me to a list of three people that came to me specifically. When I do my follow-ups, who am I going to go to first? Mm. I'm going to go to the three, aren't I? Yeah. So I'm going to go to those. Because they've made you feel comfortable, haven't they've they? They've made me feel welcome. And I felt incredibly welcomed. Um, host was great. Thank you, Phil. That was good. 
but my point here is not every member needs to reach out to a visitor that's coming along to a meeting but boy do you stand out when you do it you know i could i could tell you the names of them now i couldn't probably tell you the names of the yeah. other people in the room um another another lady that was on the call mentioned that she likes knitting well i've started up knitting so who's number four on my list to contact because she stood out to me because she shared a little bit more so my perspective here is um we take it for granted, particularly if we've been a member of a group for a long, long time. So just make sure that when you've got a visitor in the room, at least welcome them openly in the chat if, if you don't think that there's a synergy there that you want to take forward. But if you do want to get to know them more, absolutely reach out to them personally in privately in the chat or send them an email. I did actually have another email when I opened after the meeting and somebody had emailed me privately to say, I'd like to chat to you. Makes you stand out. And also, you're playing on the fact that has anyone ever gone to a networking event for the first time and not been nervous? Probably not. Yeah. It's nerve-wracking, isn't it? Because suddenly nervous. all these people know each other and I bet you were <laughs> nervous. So the people that really go out of their way to make you feel welcome goes back to what we were saying earlier. You've immediately built a bit of goodwill, haven't you? Or they've built it with you. So um, it is rather than just going through the motions of, I'm going to say my piece, you're... It takes that. nothing to be nice to someone and to be no. friendly and welcoming. And, you know, you shouldn't be in any networking if you're not prepared to be kind of open to a relationship and a two way conversation, at least a hello to somebody. So I think that really stood out to me today. So thank you to those guys. It made me feel welcome. That sounds great. Well, there you go. That was a very concise networking gem. Fantastic. OK, it's your turn now. OK, Mel. More well, look, I've got to read this bio. I write these things and then I think, who wrote that? <laughs> Melody Johnson is a social media and content coach. Her business, the Sussex Social, it's actually longer than that, isn't it? No, it is the Sussex Social, it's but I don't name. just work in Sussex anymore since uh, the pandemic. But there you go, okay. yeah, Sussex. Yeah, good point. Uh, it's a digital marketing agency which helps businesses clearly communicate and profit good word, from their social media activity. Mel has extensive practical experience overseeing marketing and social media projects and activities for a range of businesses. She's also a keen traveller, I have adjusted this, who once spent nine months in East Africa. We'll mm. ask you about that in a minute. Mel, welcome once again to the show. Hi, good great to, to be here. Good. We're <laughs> going to start with your tour of Africa. Okay. Well, it was... Um, so it's quite a long, it's a really long time ago now. <laughs> I was very young. Um, but I spent nine months in U in rural Uganda working on a health education project, which was non-formal education based. So we were paired up with, um, I was paired with a Ugandan person who was a similar age to me to go out and live in a rural community. And the idea was that you worked were affiliated with a school where you would work with the children within the school and the community to educate them about health. Mm -hmm. So HIV at the time was obviously the fundamental thing that you were educating people about because at the time Uganda had the most successful HIV programme in the world and that their, their rates were dropping. Mm -hmm. And this was all through education. But what non-formal education techniques do is that it's much easier for people to relate to these types of things particularly if it's coming from a peer someone who's a similar age to them you know there's their teacher telling them yeah. not to do this to abstain from sex whatever they might need to do doesn't quite wash as well as somebody 
who's similar age to you. So it was kind of all around that. So I was in a rural area and then I did some traveling around Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, and Rwanda afterwards for about three months on my own, which had its certain challenges. I can imagine, yeah. What's it, eye-opening? I mean, did you learn any? You must have learned a lot. Yeah, do you know, I had to put quite a lot of thought into this because obviously it was a long time ago. Mm. Um, so I think, I, well, I had no running water or electricity for the entire time I was there, wow. which is a massive learning curve within itself yeah. because, mm. you know, it, it's you're, you're on the equator. It's dark at half past seven. <laughs> so, mm. you know, they're quite kind of long, quite drawn out evenings. Mm. But also you have to fetch water. You've got no washing machine. Mm. You know, it, it, that's quite challenging in your set, in itself. Um, but I think one of the things that I was really stood out to me was I, when I was leaving, one of the um, school children came up to me and he said, um, do you eat matoki, which is um, the green bananas, they call it like plantain, which mm. is their staple diet. Do you eat rice at home? Do you eat something else? And I said, no and he said well what do you eat because there's no tv at the you know this time no computer so actually a lot of what we want is is what we can see so wanting to go on a fantastic foreign hol holiday or have a 60 inch screen tv people don't know about those types of things so actually they're they're much more they're kind of happier with what they've got yeah. which is quite an interesting learning um, and now we've got to talk a little bit about businessy stuff, which sounds a bit trite. But I do wonder if, you know, your experience in social media, the fact that you've got that grounding helps you kind of see it for what it is rather than being. Because there is a big problem with social media and business in particular, yeah. that people get blinded by it and sucked into it. Um, is that because I want to ask you, why does why do so many people, why do you hear so many business owners say, social media, I'm doing it, I'm not getting enough likes, I'm not getting a result. What's going wrong in your opinion? Well, for, firstly, I mean, I, I, don't, I, there is no one size fits all approach for every single business. So I think it's really hard to identify specifically why your business might fail or you might feel like you're failing mm. because actually quite often what I see is people feel like they're failing on social media and actually quite often they're doing a better job than they think what they're not doing is instantly converting sales and I think the clue's in the name there <laughs> yeah so social media you know we're not just um you know bombarding or we shouldn't be just bombarding people mm. with content and posts and hoping that they're going to buy so I think crucially that's one of the mistakes that businesses can make. Mm. They spend, they don't have a kind of content strategy or a strategy in place. So they they do what is kind of broadcast approach. So we'll we'll do Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Oh God, we need to think about TikTok, but they're actually not looking at what that gives them mm. as a business, what the measurable results are, mm. and whether they need to be doing everything. So then that you become really overstretched and time poor. And I always think that then leads to inconsistency, which leads to lack of visibility. And then you get demotivated mm. and you just don't do it anymore because you've tried to do too much all at once and you don't know what's worth. So I think that can be a common, that can be a really common problem. Um, someone said, we'll, we'll go back to that Mel, but someone said on the call that I was on this morning and we talked about marketing because it's the topic for this month um and they said oh my advice would be get on TikTok I've got a client who's just got a million views on TikTok so you should all get on TikTok and I'm kind of sitting there like this yes it can of course happen yes but if you're 
that's not the typical story for most people using social media. And if you haven't got a robust strategy for knowing who your audience is, for measuring the outcome of your social media activity, it's really easy to go and just be another face on TikTok doing more stuff and yeah. not getting any measurable a million, result. A million views isn't a million customers. No, well, it's not. Quite often isn't even one customer. And also as well, I mean, most of us have a finite number of customers yeah. that we can serve. Yes, so true. So actually, you know, it it's thinking, I guess this goes back to networking versus prospecting. You know, what do you actually need that to do? Yeah. So I think quite often people see social, small business owners particularly see social media as kind of side to what they're doing. They don't think about how it fits into their sort of wider business opportunities. They quite often think that somebody who is young is a digital native and knows how to work. It works for business, so that will just get them to do it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I, I think what I find with a lot of people I work with is that people really worry about producing content and jumping on the next big thing, as you've just covered with TikTok. But what they don't think about is that networking and engagement piece. So actually, is my time better spent building relationships with people and businesses within those platforms that not only I want to work with, but have people within their network that could be interested in me and what I do or could help me. So, and then a lot of people find that that really awkward mm. unless they have the time. It's not even if they, unless they know somebody. And what I always say to them is, is reframe it. Think about what you would say to somebody at a networking meeting or if they were in the room with them. Mm. So if, if, if we were on our own new call and someone said something that was really insightful and absolutely brilliant, most people are not going to sit there in silence. Yeah. Mm. So just treat it on the same. And I think that for a lot of people can be a useful re reframe. Yeah. But the biggest thing, you know, so I think not measuring your results, not having a proper strategy in place, thinking about what you're trying to achieve, who you want to talk to. And I think crucially it's consistency. And by consistency, I don't mean showing up you know, every single day on every, because that's not sustainable for most people. It's thinking about what that means to you and what you've got actually got the time and resource to do. Yeah. If you don't have time to follow up. Yeah. Because it, 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 I think there's a kind of one and done notion that people have got with social media. Well, I've done the post, I've put the work in, it's gone out there. Now I just want it to give me business. And we've heard this in many ways from different people saying, well, I haven't got time to answer the comments and have conversations with people. But you, that's the equivalent of walking up to someone at networking and saying, hi, this is what I do. Um, and they say, well, all right, I'm interested. Tell me more. And you just turn your back at them and walk away. You're not doing mm. the important bit, are you? Yeah, yeah. I like that analogy, actually. It's it, a good is, one. it is a good one. I've... A couple of things running through my head. I've made more connections um, in the last couple of weeks on LinkedIn by having conversations in someone else's post yes. comments. Yeah. Mm. I, I can't remember the last time I posted. Even yesterday, I made two new connections. I've got two one-to-ones with those people just because I, I liked what they said and I commented yeah. on, even though I wasn't connected with them, I commented on what they'd said and then I sent them a message privately and said, oh, I'd love to chat to you because I think we're on the same wavelength. It's a, sort of easy, isn't it? But it's it's a different way of thinking about the use of the yeah, platform. Yeah. And I think people forget that it's a person at the end of that. Yeah, I think, yeah. I know it, 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 and it works the same on Instagram or if you're using yeah. Facebook, you know, allocate that time mm -hmm. and it actually 
it used to be much more so that a case of people do it when they were traveling on the train of course yeah. we're all commuting this but you know it's really important to just carve out that time in your diary to actually go through mm. and see and as, as you've just highlighted Kelly what that also enables you to build relationships but you get in front of more people that could be valuable to you or you could be valuable to them yeah. and just helps you to grow your network one and thing... it's a lot more fun. It is fun. Yeah, it really is fun. <laughs> is and you also fun. get to know the people you don't want to connect with if you're really playing. <laughs> Very good point. Um, I know one thing you've talked about before, Mel. Um, you've commented in meetings. People ask this all the time. How much should I share about myself as a person? What's your view? I think so. We we've we've seen a real shift in um, marketing in the last. I don't know. 20 years probably accelerated in the last five when we you know this this whole kind of terminology around personal branding and mm. things like that has really come to light i think we as humans we are all wired for storytelling like it's traditionally how we learn and that's what resonates with people british people are not really wired for storytelling because we're like oh god no one wants to talk about me i'm boasting type thing so i think firstly how much you want to share is very personal and really individual because not everybody is comfortable with sharing everything and actually sometimes I think those stories aren't always asked to tell particularly I think if you've got older children for example yeah. um, they might not necessarily want things about them splashed about on social media if you're talking about employees or client experiences that might not be your story even though you've been part of it so I think it's important to be mindful I think so it's a case of sharing what you feel comfortable with and what is important and relevant to your audience but also at the same time not really overthinking it and I think sometimes when we talk about story because that's that's essentially what it is people think oh I don't really have one mm. or nobody cares about me and actually that's not true you know we, we tell stories all the time yeah. you know you've you've told a story about your networking you know, we've talked about climbing, we've talked about all of these different things this morning. So actually, it can be really as simple as, okay, I don't necessarily want to talk about something massive, massively personal. Okay, so talk about how you overcome a business challenge that mm. you've come up against, because that's probably going to be relevant to a lot of your network. You know, things thinking about things like, why did you, why did you start your business? Yeah. How did you get started? What do you really enjoy doing? Sharing all of those anecdotes, I think, can help you build that story, but without it being too personal. And also if you are in a larger business, I mean, you know, let's face it, all of the big brands that we know, we know, mm. you love them or hate them, Apple, Tesla, we know who their CEO is and their senior leadership team. And we feel like we know them and we have a relationship with those people. Um, you know, people by people, mm. but so, I think if you are a slightly big organisation, you also need to do the work to get your employees on board. Mm. But obviously not necessarily sharing some of the things that they might deem to be appropriate. So I think it's a fine, you know, it's a really fine line, but I think ultimately it comes down to what you feel comfortable with. And being comfortable knowing that whatever you do, you will alienate someone. Yes, I think that's absolutely key. You know, part of our story is that we were networking on our wedding day, so I tend to post about our anniversary. And I know for some people, okay, why has he put wedding pictures on there? Fine. Yeah. Absolutely don't have a problem with that. And I respect the fact that you only want to see professional content. Mm. But for me, there is no difference between 
no. those two things. That is part, I wouldn't share everything about my life, but that is part of the story of us and our business. And also, I think if you are going to share stuff that is particularly personal, be prepared to be able to talk about it. Yes. Because I, I do get fed up with, it doesn't happen so much lately, but people that will allude to something, but then you might engage with that person to either offer sympathy or, or further that conversation and they'll shut it down because they don't want to talk about it. And it's like, but you've kind of put it out there. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that that if you are thinking about what you want to share as part of your story, which so I've just shared quite a lot, is that you have to be mindful that if it's something that triggers you, yes. that if you're mm. if it's going to trigger you when you're talking about it, it's probably going to lead to wider conversations because actually the personal stuff does tend to open up so true. bigger conversations that you then have to be kind of prepared for that. So if it's not something that you feel you, you feel happy talking about, then just go there. Just park it. You know, people don't necessarily need to know yeah. everything about yeah. us. Cracking point. Thank you, Mel. That's okay. Some great stuff there. Thank you, Kelly. Okay. And this has been the only networking show. Please like, subscribe, comment, and we'll see you again next month. Mm -hmm.